set it. All right, so we're streaming and we're recording. So I just want to make sure everybody can hear me. Yes. I'll take that as a yes. I know. Nobody's saying that they cannot hear me. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Um, good morning, or depending on what time of day it is, where you are. Thanks for joining us once again for a little bit of nectar about Sri Radha. Today is, of course, the third installment out of five. Since I'm lucky to have a Shamananda so graciously pointed out to me five Mondays to speak on in this month rather than four. So I had to arrange things a bit differently. But um, today we're hearing about the Sakis of Sri Radha, types of gopis and whatnot. Um, so, of course, so far we've heard about the auspicious bodily characteristics of Radha. I kind of wanted to go in the, in the, progression of um, nam rup guna lila sort of that idea um, so of course we heard about her auspicious bodily char characteristics and the markings on her feet and hands and other ornaments and whatnot and then we heard about her last time her 25 principal qualities although they are in fact infinite just like Krishna's qualities, as Sri Rupa points out at the end of his verse. Still, he lists 25 prominent qualities. And we went through those, um, which I thought was quite sweet. And the qualities of a person, of course, is how you, how you get to know them in a way. So, um, and then, of course, today, so the friends. So let me um, say a short Mangala Chara, and then we'll dive in. Om Jnanati Mirandhasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chaturun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurubhi Namaha Vanchakalpatarubhyascha Kripasindubhya Evacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavibhyo Namo Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Swapadantikam Vairagya Vidya Nija Bhakti Yoga Shikshartha Meka Purusha Purana Shri Krishna Chaitanya Sharira Dhari Kripam Bhutiriyastamaham Prapadye He Krishna Karana Sindho Dinabandho Jagatpati Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavanishuri Vrishabhanu Suti Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Okay, so 
Again, thanks everybody for taking the time to tune in. So the first question, of course, we have to deal with when talking about Radha's friends is not just who they are, but what they are. What are gopis? Um, which could also be um, expressed as the broader question, what are the Vrajavasis? What is their nature? So we're going to do that. Um, we're going to understand what they are. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, by way of contrast. Um, so uh, Gopi body is a, a Siddha body. And so we can contrast that with the bodies that we're so familiar with and that we are beset with uh, so many pains and troubles and things to tolerate. The material body that we are um, presently inhabiting. So here in the, the uh, material world, uh, as we know, this is called Martyaloka, the, the, the plane of consciousness. The plane of consciousness uh, pervaded by death. So, um, and Krishna says in the 13th chapter of the Gita, Janmamrityu Jaravyadhi. So that you can know you have a material body if it undergoes any of these transformations Janma, birth, death, Mrityu. Jada, old age, or vyati, disease. And of course, we know that from the Bhagavatam that the way the world on one level works is jivo jivasya jivanam. One being is food for another. And even that's the case in our bodies. There are things that are trying to eat us or kill us or, <laughs> or both. <laughs> uh, pretty much at all times. And uh, modern science has done a pretty good job of staving those things off. But as we know, there is no perfect solution to the problems of the material world. And so, and the problem of having a material body is a, a uh, in one sense, it's a permanent one. In another sense, it's a transitory one. For the soul, it's transitory because we know we get these bodies, we put them on like clothing, we drive them around for a while, some people more gently than others, and eventually they wear out and we discard them, and then we pick up another one. And Srila Bhakti Rakshak Srida Dev Goswami Maharaj uh, compares this cycle of transmigration of the soul from one body to another as chain smoking, because the body is consumed by Agni very, very slowly, but ultimately the body burns up and dies. So Srida Maharaj is like, <laughs> we're got one in our hand and that one's just finishing and we're lighting the next one off of that and just going from one body to the next, to the next, to the next. And so in the plane of death, we're, we've got these four, these four um, essential characteristics, birth, death, old age, disease. And so we're, we're familiar with that. And we're much less familiar with the idea of the soul, uh, uh, rather uh, the body being blissful. It's usually not very much at all. So, 
So we're familiar with that, right? That's what we know. That's all we know, pretty much. And then we start hearing about a plane of reality where the bodies are made of emotions, spiritual emotions, bhava deha. And I thought it was it would be um, wise to spend a little bit of time. You know, what exactly is that bhava deha? And so, in the the next class, when we uh, the next lecture, we're going to hear about Radha's love and the love of the sakis by extension, and we'll get into the different types of bhavas. It'll be a bit of a review of um, Bhaktira Samrata Sindhu in terms of constituents of rasa and whatnot. Um, because you can't, that that's like, Sri Rupa has done a brilliant thing. I was actually just talking with Guru Maharaj about this the other day, just how, what an amazing thing he did in terms of taking the secular aesthetics of India and using that framework to explain Bhakti Rasta. Nothing like that in the world. It's, it's, uh, it's unique. And um, besides this, the, as I mentioned in a previous class, the sheer volume of information is there, but it's like, a, it's a coherent system. It all makes sense. And so you've got all these bhavas that are interacting with each other and playing off one another and augmenting the one another and um, bringing one's, well, the stai bhav is the, the technical term, of course, but taking the stai bhav to the, point of rasa which is in the in the spiritual world it always is so it's like just they're immersed in this state of rasa constantly so um anyhow so the body that we do this with with or in depends how you want to look at it is of course a siddha day a, a perfect body a body made of consciousness it's not made of material elements whatsoever so that's a pretty foreign idea to begin with because we have no reference for that what could that possibly be like you know and so but we know that the siddha day is composed of the swarup shakti so rather than so it's categorically different of course um, maya shakti is the source of uh, the constituents of the material body and so therefore the material body upon its demise dissipates all those elements dissipate back into the material you know flux and the soul is unaffected but with the siddha deha that's a completely different thing it's like there is no difference between their soul and the body and so we know that there's three major aspects of the the swarup shakti sandini Right, the existence or sat, and there's no, and that that could be characterized as there's no decay or no entropy. And entropy is a technical term used in the sciences to to describe the the loss of energy in a closed system, like we have in the material world. It's entropy is another way of saying death. So we've got a world that's governed by entropy from the morning you're from the moment you're born you're on this course of at a certain point, the body peaks in terms of its physical capacity. And then it's on the, on the way down the backside of the curve. Some of us are further down that curve than others, but you know, the body doesn't last. We know that. And so the Siddha day is like, in that respect is completely different. A body that doesn't decay. 
the same age forever. Well, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> I want to sign me up. I want one of those. And not only that, Sung Vit. Vit, vit comes from like the, the root of vidya knowledge. And so it's sung vit, it's completely conscious. So it's composed of consciousness, it doesn't decay, doesn't die, doesn't get old or sick. And yet, and it's also at the same time similar to Krishna's form, probably, I mean, not the same way in terms of his omniscience, but um, fully conscious. So, um, I don't know if you've ever watched. Uh, sometimes I get I get a a, a craving to watch these videos of people who have had near death experiences, which are pretty instructive. And so they often describe how they're say they're in the operating room, they're in the hospital, and they've died on the table. And they describe themselves. And they describe the entire room and how they can they could how their body was like a uh, mm, a limiting factor to their perception and suddenly they can see at 360 degrees and they can perceive all this stuff that's going on around them in the room that they couldn't in a while in their body so and that's just the case you know in the material example you can imagine what it's like in a body that is fully conscious and composed of the sarup shakti and then of course the third phase or the third aspect of the siddha body is haladini it's ananda Haladini Shakti, of course, is what Rod has said to be the embodiment of. And we um, will get into that more in the next talk, the sort of technical aspects of the basis of her love. But the Haladini Shakti is the pleasure giving aspect of the Sarup Shakti. And so the Siddhadeya is just immersed in ecstasy. Like uh, Sridhar talked about how. Uh, your hair would be standing on end at every moment. So, so like that level of ecstasy is just continuous. So that's a pretty foreign idea for most of us. I know, uh, you know, we might get a glimpse through our practice or you know, a little moment or a little taste and you go, wow, that's enough to retire the entire world. And yet that's just an atom of what these Nitya Siddhas are experiencing. So a lot to look forward to in terms of what kind of body we're gonna have. So then, so now, okay, we have an idea, a rough idea of that these gopis are not just village girls, they're pretty extraordinary village girls. And so, and then there's a number of ways we can talk about the types of sakis or types of gopis in general, and we'll get more specific, but. Um, so there's one way of saying what type of gopi they are is kind of, uh, according to their source, if you will. <clears throat> Which obviously source <laughs> implies, um, implies time when they, they weren't there and that's not the case, but we have to talk about it somehow. So there's. Anyway, there's the Kaya Vyuha, and I mentioned this uh, in the previous talk. The Kaya Vyuha, the Radha's expansions, so they're obviously not Jiva Tattva. Then there are the Nitya Siddhas, who are Jiva Tattva from Baladev. They emanate from Baladev, and they reside in the spiritual world, never been materially conditioned. 
And then there's the sodden cities, and that would be us. Um, or at least some of us, Shamananda for sure. Uh, so mm, I think most of the, well, yes, all of the, the, the gopis that we know the names of and whatnot, they are Kaya Vyuha Radha. They're her expansions for um, different, different moods and different pastimes. In fact, it's a really nice description from the Murali Vilas, which says Lalita and the other girlfriends are Srimati Radharani's Swarup. Sri Rupa and the other mantris follow Radha's nature. They want to increase Krishna's happiness through following her mood and in submission to her. They are absorbed in both Radha and Krishna. Taking shelter of her, they try to increase Krishna's happiness. They are called Priyanarma Sakis. Being born from Radha's passionate attachment, Rag, for Krishna, one mandri is named Sri Raga Mandri. Another's existence springs from Radha's form, her Rupa, and is therefore known as Sri Rupa Mandri. Ananga Mandri arises from her desire, and so it is with all the Mandris. So obviously that's talking about a kind of getting a bit of ahead of the topic, but it's talking about a specific type of Saki called the the prana sakis or nitya sakis, aka mandris. We're getting ahead. <laughs> so that, that was a good, it's a nice quote to, to understand just the nature of the sakis and how they're, um, that the particular um, point that I wanted to emphasize through quoting that was just how the, the different aspects of Radha are embodied in these different girls who are her servants. So, and that, that's, um, I think Guru Maharaj has talked about it in the, in the way where in eternity, when God wants to, you know, experience a certain emotion or whatever, that emotion personifies, it, it takes on a shape and a form and a personality. <laughs> And then he can in, in, interact in, in the Leela with that. With that. Um, so that must be pretty extraordinary being God like that. You can just, um, you know, expand yourself in these ways in order to uh, augment your play. But we, as a sadness, that is once we enter that world, we're in a sense, we're kind of counted in that way of sort of as an expansion of the Leela, an expansion of. Krishna's friends or or gopis or whatever it's just another one shows up so that's uh whether they're whether I have you have Radha or Anitya Siddha from Baladev or Sadhana Siddha there's an there's two more ways we can um talk about the types of gopis a uh, second way is where we get into our Ujjvala Nilamani verse so Carrying on from that section you were reading last time, still a chapter about the description of Radha. And Sri Rupa says, in Radha's group, which is the best of all, are beautiful women created with all good qualities who completely attract Krishna. The Sakis of Radha are of five types. Saki, Nitya Saki, Prana Saki, Priya Saki, and Paramaprishta Saki. 
So then he talks about, gives some names for each of the types. And then he ends with the eight Paramatrashtasakis, Lalita, Vishaka, Chitra, Champakalata, Tungavidya, Induleka, Rangadevi, and Sudevi are the best of all. So, of course, those primary eight. And then um, while, while we we're talking about names of people, so those are the primary eight gopis, and they are more or less the same age as Radha, which is 14 years and change. And some are you know, younger, some a little older, but about the same age. And then, so those those eight have those the, the, the Parama Prashtasakis, the Ashtasakis, as they are called, the eight Sakis, eight most of their friends. And then, of course, there are the eight, eight Manjaris who serve under each one of these. So there's Sri Rupa Manjari, of course, Rati or Tulasi. And so that's Raghunath Das Goswami and Gorlila. Lavanga Manjari, Sanatan Goswami. Manjula, Lokanath Goswami. Rasa Manjari, Raghunath Bhatta Goswami. Kasturi Manjari, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami. Guna Manjari, that's Gopal Bhatta Goswami. And Vilasa Manjari, Sri Jiva in Gorlila. And of course, uh, the other eight have been identified in in books like the Gorgano Deshtipika, but I don't have a copy of that, so we're not going to go into who they are. And Gorli, we know, I actually had a, an interesting discussion the other day with Guru Maharaj about um, Ramananda Roy and Sarup Dhaminar and who they are and Krishna Lila and whatnot, which I won't get into because it was one of those that just makes you kind of scratch your head and go, okay, there's different ways to look at it. All right. Um, so, So these people, we hear so much about them, you know, um, they're, they're like the, you can't talk about Radha and Krishna without talking about these people, which is why we're talking about them. <laughs> um, because they're, they're essential to um, bringing about the meeting of the Yugala, the divine couple and um, serving them in any way, shape or form, whether they're together or if they're in, separated and they're experiencing, well, in Radha's case, uh, experiencing separation from Krishna. And of course, in his case, experiencing separation from Radha, but that's gonna be the Priyanarma suckers are gonna be tending to his separation. So, in terms of the play, well, these, these folks are all uh, dynamically engaged every day or night, uh, every, every point in the day or night. Um, and Sridharmaraj gives a really poetic, uh, you know, beautiful description of Lalita Devi, how of the divine couple, she'll, she'll go there as if she had a hundred bodies to wipe it away. So her desire to make make Radha and Madhava comfortable and to serve them and make them happy is um, the point he was making is like, she does that as if like, he's like, yeah, uh, as if she has a hundred bodies. And that's, um, 
pretty intense service attitude. We want to, you know, we want to get some of that. Even a even a atom of that would be good. <laughs> uh, so we got these five types of sakis, and the ones that we're most concerned with, I guess you could say, are the Paramapreshta sakis, the Ashta sakis, and um, and of course the the Manjari sector, the the Nitya sakis or the Prana sakis. So I guess at this point it would be wise to talk about well the windows of opportunity that we as Gaudias have been presented. So in Bhaktivinoda Parivar, we know that, and we, I mean, we know in general that the, the majority of people who take shelter of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings of bhakti are um, destined to be <laughs> difficult to talk about. Uh, they're gonna, most people are gonna be drawn to the overall, uh, the main, the main emphasis of the Sampradaya, which is, of course, Madhura Rasa or Sringar Rasa. But since the Sampradaya was founded by not just Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but by Nityananda Ram as well, then there are going to be some who naturally will be attracted to the Sakya camp, as we know in our Sangha. So, so those... Um, even though, uh, even though Madhuri Rasa is the primary and the far more popular um, path to take, um, you don't really hear a lot about um, systematic practices for attaining other Rasas. Um, and, and then, um, but the, you know, people are there, obviously, um, you know, um, Recent examples would be, well, Akinchana Krishna Das Babaji Maharaj, even though he had a Manjuri Guru, well, he came out a little different, so, which is no, no worries. And it goes the other way too. You can have a, 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 a guru who is uh, either situated in, let's just say, situated in Sakyaras and still be, you know, one could pursue uh, Sringaras under that person. If, and they are, if they are pre-anarmasakas, in other words, if they're, they got that, that aspect of their, their bhav is um, involved in the romantic life of Krishna. But as far as Sakya being a, a window of opportunity in the Bhaktivinoda Parivar, as, I, as far as I recall, he mentions it, I think in maybe Navadvi Bhava Taranga or something like that. And it, he mentions it in passing, you know, it doesn't, he says, he says nice things about it, which basically we take to be as him opening that window. And so that's the two, you can be a, a gopa or a gopi, and both of them are kind of similar, the pavolas rati, which we're going to talk about a bit, is, you know, it's a, obviously a type of saki bhav, and then the Priyanarma Sakas Bhav is sometimes called Sakibhav as well. So <laughs> um, 
something to think about a little bit. So I wanted to read, there's a couple of really nice things that I've found in the last week or two that are pertinent. So this is a copy of the Sanat Kumar Sangita, which is a part of the Shiva Purana, I believe Gurmarsh said. But anyhow, uh, there's a description of the Manjari in it, or I should say it's more of a prototype is given. So this is uh, Lord Sadashiva speaking to Narada. And he says, one should think of oneself as a beautiful young gopi girl, expert in various arts, pleasing to Lord Krishna, reluctant to directly enjoy with him, even if he were personally to invite you. A follower of Sri Radha, always devoted to her service, more affectionate to Sri Radha than to Lord Krishna himself. Every day, carefully and affectionately arranging the meeting of Sri Sri Radha Krishna and becoming happy to see them pleased by your service. Thinking of oneself in this way, one should serve Sri Sri Radha Krishna from the early morning of Brahma Mukurta to the end of night. So that's clearly a, a general instruction because we know Narada is not in, in uh, Krishna Lila, Narada is not pursuing that bhav. So it doesn't really apply to him personally, but it's a general instruction. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so that's kind of like the, the very general idea of what a manjari is and what, they, what she does. And then there's a really nice description from Vrindavan Mahimamrita by Prabodhananda Saraswati, which I'd like to read because it's um, well, a lot of folks have never heard this stuff. So, the manjari is of a glistening, pleasing, golden-colored hue, a charming picture of sweetness. Her bodily luster, her loveliness, as well as her honey-like sweetness are all unlimited. She is in the first flush of maidenhood, and her breasts have budded beautifully. She wears star-like spangled necklaces and multicolored blouses which it's not mentioned here, but um, they are uh, the Mundri's blouses and necklaces and whatnot. These are all prasadi gifts from Radha at different times for her service. And so um, there's that verse in the Bhagavatam, the 11th canto, I think, where Uddhavas says how we will conquer over Maya by wearing the, the prasad, the leftovers of Krishna. Um, so this is a similar idea, although it would be in the Leela. So even in the Leela, um, we will be waiting for those eternal moments in time uh, when we are given these gifts and whatnot. So Mandri is she's decked herself out in, in leftovers of Radha. So everything is Prasad there. We're living, living in a world of Prasad. Her arms are beautifully shaped like bananas, <laughs> which I always took that to mean they're uh, kind of like the same, the same diameter the, the entire way, but in, probably a lot more graceful than a banana. <laughs> uh, and are further enhanced by bracelets and jeweled armbands. 
The vine of her braid hangs down to her captivating buttocks and its lolling movements augment her beauty. So as she walks, her braid will swing back and forth. She has an enchantingly thin waist, a divine silk garment folded alluringly hangs down over her ankles. A fine cloth decorated with flowers and leaves covers her hair and the sides of her face. The enchanter Sri Krishna glances at her again and again. She has sweet and shy smiles. She has playful glances, which the glances, that's something I meditate on a lot because there's a description of them often with how the gopis and, the, and Krishna are exchanging glances in different covert ways. And <clears throat> excuse me. And in the Bhagavatam, uh, there's one verse in, um, I forget which chapter, uh, might be the Gopi Gita, um, where the, the phrase is used is kataksha moksham, sidelong glances. So she has playful glances. So she's, uh, she also knows how to make many attractive movements. So these different gestures, hand gestures and whatnot. She is always feeling thrilled by the loving affairs of Radha and Krishna. She's expert in the many arts, having been taught by Radharani herself. She's especially attractive due to being decorated by the divine couple's gifts of leftover garlands, oh, I already mentioned that, ornaments and clothes. She's endowed with unlimited good qualities of which humility and mannerliness are foremost. She is competent to understand Radha's wishes by her slightest glance or hint. She relishes Krishna's leftover pan and betel nut and is very much the object of the divine couple's affections. She carries the necessary paraphernalia, like golden water jugs, etc., for the nightly meetings of the holy pair. She constantly tastes the sacred rapture arising from Radha's form, qualities, and pastimes, and thinking of her affairs with Krishna, Radha's affairs with Krishna, she always feels a thrilling sensation. She's always immersed in an ocean of happiness due to her intense loving affection for Radharani. In the past, present, or future, whether awake, dreaming, or in deep sleep, she desires nothing other than service to Radha's lotus feet. Other than Radha's lotus feet, she knows nothing, not even in her dreams. She rushes toward anything that bears even the most insignificant relation to Radha in the way that rivers rush to the ocean. She's washed away by the ocean of love. In separation from Radharani, for even a moment, she almost dies. Day and night, she remains inseparable as a shadow from her mistress's lotus feet. Her maidenly beauty is so great that not only the whole universe, but even Shiva and Ananta are astonished by it. At every moment, her skin is covered with goosebumps as she tastes the sacred rapture of service. She enchants everyone with her bodily luster and loveliness as she moves from the place in her anxiety to better serve Radha. Her bodily effulgence fills all the ten directions, which are beautified and enriched. She is satisfied and happy with the sweet, secret, secret conversations enjoyed in private by Radha and Krishna. She's overjoyed to listen to the nectarian words, cooling and sweet, which spill from the mouth of Srimati Radharani. So it's some idea um, for those who are interested in this, this bhav, the bhavola sarati, that's like some idea of what a, a manjari is like in her day-to-day -day life and in her attitude. 
um, on a technical level. <clears throat> we can talk about the Mundry's emotion. I guess that would probably be more appropriate for next time. So I guess I won't get into that right now. Other than to say, um, Well, going back to the types of gopis. So another way of describing them is there, there are two types, basically. They're the ones with, well, three. Samasneha, they have equal affection for Radha or for Krishna. Asama, unequal affection. So more, some more for Krishna, some more for Radha. And then Samasneha, there, there's, uh, right, well, there's two, yeah. Same, either equal affection or more for one or the other at different times. And the, the Paramaprashtasakis, the Ashtasakis, they will have sometimes more affection for Krishna and sometimes more for Radha, depending on the situation. So if, if um, Radha is feeling separation from Krishna, then they will have more affection for her. And if Krishna is being crushed under the weight of her man, then they will have more affection for him at that time. They will try to, they will seek to break her man and, and try to um, <clears throat> tender to him because he's, he's basically left out in the cold of her emotional um, tempest at, the, at, the, at those times. And so he, he seeks to get back in her good graces and they help. Whereas the Mundries will not do that. <clears throat> the Mundries will take Radha's side. And if Krishna has done something that to upset her, they will, they will let him know in no uncertain terms that he has done wrong and yet again has um, cheated their mistress. And so their, their allegiance to Radha is total and complete. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not that the, not that the Ashasakis isn't, but it, it manifests differently. And um, so the, the word bhav olas comes from how their bhav is being, um, their stai bhav is, is madura rasa, which means for Krishna. But it happens in a roundabout way. Um, um, English word often used for that is vicariously. We experience something through someone else. So there, <clears throat> as we heard, the, the manjari will never, never even contemplate going and enjoying with Krishna directly, having some bow with Krishna, they don't, that, that doesn't even enter into their mental world. Even though they're, they're competent to attract his attention in that way. And sometimes even Radha, <clears throat> excuse me, as a joke, will try to get Krishna to um, go with a given manjri. It never really happens. Um, so, Again, because they're they're experiencing romantic love through Radha, right? And their their romantic love is it's not their own romantic love for Krishna. And so the bhav ullas uh, ullas means to increase. Uh, in fact, I think Rupa Goswami used the word pushyamana, which means constantly increasing. So bhav ullas is so, so there are generally there are uh, uh, 
trying to think of the term. Uh, oh, uh, sun chari bobs or or gabichari um, bobs, which um, they arise out of the ocean of the stai bob, and then they augment it, and then they recede back into that ocean. And that's the normal course of how how the those gabichari bobs work. And in this case, we're talking about the the, the bob of um, the loving one's friends. So the relationship between the devotees, they they have love for one another. Even though Krishna is the center of their love, they have a stai bhav for Krishna in some way, whether it's Vatsalya or Sakya or Madhurya. Um, the mandris are different in that their stai bhav is augmented by their love for Radha, not the other way around. So it's, a, it's unique. In, in the, even in the world of rasa, it's it's very difficult to kind of get your head around it. Um, and we, we might get into it a bit more detail when we're talking about Radha's love. And you know, because this, this, this is like, um, it is the, the window of opportunity for those pursuing, uh, for those pursuing this type of love, we need to know how, kind of how it works, um, be able to, identify these different um, aspects of rasa which like i said we'll get into you know we have two more so we'll get into all, all that next time so that is a headful that's a headful to think about um not only are we are we going to a place where we have a body made out of consciousness itself and has senses just like we have now? Um, but it, <laughs> our senses just like, well, you know, you won't find the, the gopis put these on so that they can read books when they get older. That doesn't happen. Right? Uh, they don't get up in the morning and go, oh, I'm getting too old for this. And that, that doesn't happen. You know, they're living in bodies made of consciousness. I mean, just that one point is enough to fry your circuits, you know, just like, wow, what is that? And I like a phrase that Prabhupada used often. It was like, try to understand. So we can't necessarily understand. We may not have realization, but we at least try to, you know, understand what this would be like with our intelligence to just to get us some, in, even in the ballpark is an amazing thing. Just what it is what are these people what is you know radha <laughs> um it, it can be a little bit easy to uh start to take things for granted um and just you know think about things in a in a dogmatic way or you just become so familiar that you overlook just the the sheer amazingness if that's a word of what we're what we're what we're involved in and just like how how did this come to us you know that that we have the opportunity to enter into a world that is like this i mean it's uh it's a lot and so as far as gopi bob goes it's, it's the same in the general way that it's all based in service. That's the thing. So there's no question of having a Siddha Deha without 
being very, very deeply committed to service, right? That's a, it's a body, it's a bhava deha, and those bobs are, are serving Krishna's tasting, his rasa raj nature, somehow, directly or indirectly in the leela. And, and Guru Maharaj has been speaking about um, more recently. I noticed as he as he gets older, he's talking about these types of things more and more in terms of uh, a meditative. Um, it's a meditative reality we enter into. Um, he's, and he's speaking less and less from a, a literal, like, yes, there's a place, a physical place on earth that we can experience these things. You know, <laughs> it's more of, it's an internal thing. It's going on in the heart of the devotee. And so this... We, we may have a general inclination toward one or the other of the, the bobs that have been extended to us. These, these nitya siddha bobs, these bobs that are eternally existing in, the, in that world and that eventually gradually start to awaken in the heart of the practitioner. So, um, Having a having a prototype like this of the manjari or of the sakha, depending on um, once Guru Maharaj's book comes out, I'm sure for those who are interested in that, there'll be a lot of resource there for for those who are, have the eligibility to be more meditative in their practice, and um, because the 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 uh, siddhadeya starts showing up in the sadhika's life in different ways, subtle ways at first. And just, you know, in the first, the, the, the very, very basic uh, manifestation of the siddhadeya is an inclination toward one bhav or another. Because again, the siddhadeya is a manifestation of a particular bhav feeling. So if one is inclined or one has a feeling, oh, I like the gopis, then that's the beginning of your siddhadeya <laughs> starting to awaken. One goes, oh man! I hear about Guru Maharaj talking about those gopas. I just want to be with them. That's the beginning of a siddhadeya. Um, and then, of course, with uh, descriptions like these prototypes, again, they're 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 just prototypes, but they're useful, you know, for meditation. Think of yourself with this general nature, and you gradually, gradually start to kind of project yourself into the Leela in this, or, or inhabit, inhabit uh, service, or in, inhabit space in the Leela, I guess you could say, or uh, contribute something toward the Leela and do Leela Seva. And from the, from the vantage point, or you start to start to say, read the Bhagavatam from a particular point of view, right? Um, like, for example, there's a, there's a couple of verses. Let's see where they're from. They're in the uh, when Guru Maharaj was speaking in North Carolina. These verses caught my attention. Um, they're from the 15th chapter, the 10th canto, and the, it's the description of when Krishna is coming home from. He's coming back to Vrindavan from herding the cows all day. His hair is powdered with dust, and the gopis, all the gopis who have been stuck in the village all day, they come forward to see him. Now, of course, the, the parental sector, they're looking at him directly, and then 
the younger girls. And of course, in this 15th chapter, this is like the these two verses that um, they kind of go together. And they um, they describe the very beginnings of Purvarag. So this is like you know, Krishna's just to, just become a a full cow herder, and already Purvarag is starting to manifest in this very very subtle way. So. This, but these two verses, I mean, they can be meditated on from either perspective as one pursuing Sakyaras or one pursuing Madhura Ras in it. Uh, so that's very interesting how that as, as one progresses, you start to look at, read the Leelas and contemplate these things from a particular point of view, whether it's going to be as a Saka going with Krishna during the day or you know, reading, reading about different Leelas and <clears throat> thinking about them from a particular point of view. So that's also a manifestation of the, the Siddha Deya. It's not, it's not the specifics of one's age or where one lives or what one's wearing, though that'll all come probably much later, Asakti. But, you know, the, the, uh, we can see a general trend then you know we're moving in the right direction um so anyhow that is a little bit about the friends of radha and her in particular her younger friends so radha's 14 years seven months and change and so most of the mandris are in the 12 13 year old range i think uh Bhaktivinoda's description of Kam, himself as Kamala Mandri, she's 13 and some months, so depending. I don't know what determines that. <laughs> yeah, and, and Guru Maharaj has talked about how the jiva has will, and so there's a, a certain amount of, uh, in the New Age circles, they call it co-creation, so the jiva is a creator. We have created. We're endowed with creative power, like like God is. And so, as you, as you're, to use Guru Maharaj's analogy, as you're writing your own page in the Bhagavatam, then there's some of the jiva's will involved. But how much of that we can use in terms of? Yeah, I want to be you know, 13 years old instead of 12 or something. I don't. I don't know. Anyhow, that is all I had for today. Um, anybody has any comments or questions, then now's a good time. Haribo. Haribo. Thank you for the class. Yeah. Uh, uh, you mentioned that, uh, was that a book called Morali Vilas or was that a, a, a pastime or something? It's, I think it's a book, but I don't know who it's by. I just oh, okay. had a reference. Okay, because that, that was my next question. Who is it by? Because <laughs> I, I was wondering who is describing those things, like which manjari is from which source and, and those things yeah. that you... Yeah. Um, I don't remember where I found that quote. I mean, it, I have a file on Baba Lasrati and I, you know, collect different bits of information like that. And I that's all I know about that. So... Um, I guess if we did some web searching, we might be able to find a book called Moda Vilas and who it's by. Mm. Okay. Thank you. Thank yeah. you.
Good morning, Chitta Prabhu. It's Kanaram here. Can you hear me? Hey, Kanaram. I can't hear you. Can't hear me. Let's see. You we'll get there, maybe. English and mute original audio. Yes. Let's see here. Where's my... Mm -mm. No. Oh, well. Um, Chitahari, if you want to hear him, you can uh, unmute the unmute original audio, then you will be able to hear him. So basically mute the original audio. Yeah. 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 Just undo the things that we yeah, okay. hear him. Okay. Try it now, Connor. How about now? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. I didn't. My my button is normally there for English and mute original audio, but when I hit the more button, it didn't come up. Oh. Anyway, it's always always something. Nope. <laughs> anyway, I, I like your class, and and thank you very much for sharing some of that stuff. I just had one. I have an idea here lately, that um, that like, we're fortunate to hear about all of these things from some really advanced persons. And I think that like they're sort of like sharing some of their privilege and they're sharing their insights and stuff like that. And I think that the emphasis on that is really cool. I, I really I'm delighted that everybody is like sharing in those ways. And at the same time, I'm like, I don't want for like, I'm sure everybody's like bearing this in mind. All, all of our God brothers and God sisters are very intelligent people. But I think that like one could think that anybody's going to get the cart before the horse and start like projecting themselves too soon into that Leela or too soon into that role or maybe it's just me and I'm like I'm feeling like it's hard for it would be hard for me to stay I feel hard for me to say I feel like I would be like overstepping my bounds to to sort of project myself into that I, I mean I have some inclination but like that it's a it feels speculative at this point I just wanted to throw that out there and, and see what your thoughts are. Yeah. Um, well, that's kind of why I um, went, into, went into a little bit about how the Siddhadeya actually starts showing up in these different ways, just in inclinations that we have and whatnot. And, and yeah, the, the um, you know, systematic meditation on one's on the Leela from the point of view of a specific Bob or Siddhadeha, that's obviously for people who've got some substantial taste, you know, and until that arises until prior to Nishta, let's say, um, then we're not focused on that. That's, it might be there, but it's not the focus. The focus is on surrendering and constructing the stage that the, that the Leela can play out on, right? That, that stage of Sharanagati. And prior to that, then, yeah, there's not a whole lot of, uh, you can't even, if you can't even sit and meditate, then no, that's, <laughs> you're right. It, it's, it would be completely speculative. And so, yeah, that, that's, um, and I think you'll find if you read these descriptions, uh, I think in the West, we have a tendency to not really understand context sometimes that. Um, the authors of these books, like if you take a Leela Grantha, let's say of like Govinda Lilamrita, it's just kind of assumed that you have the Adi card if you're reading it. It's not like, and, and it's the author is assuming that 
whoever's reading it knows how to take their own temperature and 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 knows what their Audi car is, or at least is consulting with their guru to know, you know, like if someone comes to Guru Maharaj and they're a new person, they're like, yeah, I want to be reading the Govinda Lilamrita. And he's like, yeah, well, how about Bhagavad Gita first, you know? So that's that's why Sadhu Sangha is there to kind of give you a, you know, like, uh, so they talk to you and in about two minutes, they figure out where you're at and, and they, you know, uh, suggest practices that are that are appropriate for that but yeah you're right i mean we shouldn't we shouldn't try to project ourselves into the lila that's called kalpanam which is just imagination and ultimately it has basically very little value now it gets it starts getting a little gray as your audi car increases and you you're you're finding that your material desires are dissipating and your apparat is is going away and you're actually being coming more and more absorbed then um then the line between imagination and actual lila seva becomes blurry it becomes wider and gray and then um at a certain point then yeah it's not it's not imagination anymore it's or I, it, it's not imagination it's visualization of a a soul that's substantially pure purified you know somebody who's um got the humility of the stage of nishta humility that's arising from the soul because they're in contact with the absolute and they know how small they are that's somebody who can really start to you know feel their way around in the in the spiritual world and prior to that yeah i mean you had no business doing that and that's why sridhar maharaj and bhakti siddhanta saraswati were so adamant about that point that you know chant without offense they were like leela shmila don't worry about it you know <laughs> they're like chant without offense get that down bro and then you're going somewhere, right? And from everything will come from that. So, so uh, there's a good reason that the Saraswat Sampradaya has the emphasis it has, because I could see that there were people who were being given their Siddha Day on a piece of paper by some, you know, person who may or may not have had the Adi car, but still, it's like you're given your Siddha Day on a piece of paper. What are you going to do with that? You're going to sit down and meditate on how you're, you know, I'm this old, I'm that old, and I'm, I live here, and this is my service. And that's i mean talk about speculative like you know I, I so yeah we take a, a simplified and more and ultimately i would say probably more foolproof approach of just you know focusing on the basics and then like the way shridharaj talked about it is like we will we will approach raganuga bhakti with it keeping it on our head and with the idea that i'm less worthy i'm i'm not i'm not qualified for that and if we maintain that negative position, eventually Krishna will pull us forcefully up by the hair. No, no, you're ready, come. So that, you know, you can't really argue with that approach. Um, whereas the other, the other way is I'm super eager to be there and I'm, you know, thinking about all this stuff. I mean, that, that you got to have some body card for that. You know, the, the eagerness, the longing, that doesn't come until after Shadonagati's in place. So... You know, I guess it depends on where we're at in terms of the, the grand scheme of things and our level of surrender, how how substantial our faith is. Anyway, that's some thoughts. Yeah, thank you for sharing. It seems like over the past few weeks, there's there's been a lot of emphasis. So I, I, I guess I, in my mind and intelligence, I just wanted to like hear some hear some balance on the other side a little bit. 
Yeah. yeah. Thank you. It's a nice yeah. description. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I was kind of, uh, I was taking lunch last week with Guru Maharaj and I was like telling him how I'd been given these classes. And I was like, man, you know, I'm feeling like all I'm doing is reading from the book. Everybody else could just do that. And he's like, I'm not really, you know, some people may not have the book or it's good to hear. Yeah. You have some commentary. You can kind of explain this stuff in some way. So that's good. So that, you know, it made me feel less useless. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate you. Thanks for sharing. I know you. I know you've read some read some books and thought about that stuff a little bit. Yeah, you know, reading books is one thing. Um, you know, having it as an aspiration—that's kind of the next level. And then you know, starting to actually get some insight into it—that's also good too. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, well, I don't know if anybody else has got any. Anything to add? If they do, by all means. Otherwise, I guess we'll wrap it up. Okay, I guess that is a no. Let me see the chat. Uh, Yes, Karen, you are welcome for the class. And so once again, thanks everybody for tuning in today and uh, see you at the same time, same channel next week. Jai. 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 Jai.